Welcome to Ludus Capital's podcast, Frontier X. Every week, we will dive deep with current and former professional athletes and hear the stories of how they transition from the field, the court, the ice, the arena, the ballpark, to where they are now. We will hear the stories of how they ignited their non-sports passions, how they cut through the business complexities of their athletic careers, and how they found new unicorns in both their lives and portfolios. I'm your host, Matilda Sung, General Partner at Ludus Capital. I will often be joined by my co-GP, Sam Lee, or any of our venture partners, including Chris Miner and Amith Bodaju. Without further ado, now let's get on to the show. This week, we are thrilled to have Charles Watson Jr., aka CJ, with us on Frontier X. CJ and I met not too long ago, but we instantly clicked over our passion for innovation at the intersection of sports and technology, and our hardest job is being a parent to three young children. CJ is a former pro basketball player who played in the NBA for 10 years and overseas for two. He grew up in Tennessee, played college for University of Tennessee, and spent time with a range of teams, including the Warriors, Chicago Bulls, and the Brooklyn Nets. CJ is an incredibly versatile, intelligent individual, splitting his time across his diverse investment portfolio, his quiet storm foundation focused on helping the youth of today, and his passion in storybook writing. We are excited to dig deep with CJ today. Welcome, CJ Watson, to our podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We are good. Glad to be here with you today. So yeah, so we, we'd love to hear about your story. And you spent 10 years in the NBA and over a dozen years in your playing career uh, in basketball. Can you walk us through that, you know, from your college days to basketball and then to what you're doing now? Uh, yeah, so I grew up here in Las Vegas, kind of middle-class people uh, with parents, two parents who uh, moved here from Nashville, Tennessee, went to a predominantly uh, high uh, prolific sports school in Bishop Gorman, played there for four years, won a couple of state championships, a couple state players of the year, got recruited to go to Tennessee, played there for four years, got my degree in psychology. But when it came time to get drafted, I didn't get drafted. So I had to, you know, kind of take a different route to the NBA. So I went overseas for a year to really get better in my game and work on things that the GMs and the scouts said I needed to work on. So I went to Italy for a year and came back, came to the D League and then uh, played there for a month and then got my call for the for the NBA. And then I played there for 10 years. Yeah, that's an amazing story. You know, we were just talking about the Nuggets and Jokic earlier and uh, how low draft picks and, and folks who aren't drafted, the Miami Heat being another example, really find their way into the league, right? And that's what we're doing here with Sports Tech, right? Finding ways to allow for these teams to uh, find these type of talent. So yeah, so t- tell us, you know, we know that you made quite a bit of investment in the sports tech space. So we'll love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. So I uh, recently how I got into like venture capital and uh, investing. Uh, when I was playing, I was a ambassador for a company. I won't name the name, but uh, they signed me on as an ambassador. They gave me equity instead of money because they couldn't pay me. That's kind of how I got my first startup in uh, investing in equity. And I uh, took that uh, equity and sold it because I, I saw the company wasn't getting any bigger and actually cashed out and did probably pretty well the more the, more the cash than that they probably would offer me. So that's how I got started. I did, after that, I just kept reading books, went on a couple of internships. And uh, just after I got retired, or started investing in uh, my first company was actually Zen Water. So that was my first company I invested in and did, did a couple after that, Instacart, Toro. It's like 30 or 35 investments I did so far since 2020. And I'm just trying to trying to learn more, meet different people. Uh, just, like I said, read books and stuff like that to keep me updated on, on, on different vectors and, and sectors that I like, which is sports and tech. And uh, that's kind of how I kind of see my investing route so far. 
That's great. I mean, 35 is a pretty good number. So yeah. what, how you got started, you mentioned sort of uh, during your playing career, you saw some opportunities. After you retired, did you, you know, you say you read some books, but what else did you do to really kind of familiar yourself with this investment side? Uh, really, I just met a guy named uh, Rashawn Williams. He's pretty much been my mentor in the investing game. Uh, he's taught me a lot of the ins and outs, kind of do due diligence, how to, you know, kind of sector and, and bet deals. And uh, obviously, as an athlete, you get a lot of deals, I feel like, sent to you all the time, at least I do. So, you know, know which ones are good or which ones are bad. So I kind of go to him for advice and uh, I pretty much just leaned on him and another guy that I met through actually a podcast like this. Uh, he's at Tribe Capital, a big VC out of San, San Fran. So those two guys have, have really been leaning on and uh, go to for advice and go to for, you know, for any recommendations and stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. And do you have any um, investments that you're excited about at the moment? Maybe ones you made recently or ones that have been doing uh, incredibly well? Um, I, I love Instacart. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, like I said, I love Zenwater. I was messing with Matilda earlier. I like Zenwater a lot. But also just recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, invested in a pickleball team in Texas. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, just got introduced to pickleball maybe a couple of weeks ago playing. And after I played, the opportunity came to me to invest. And I was like, I, I got to jump on this for it being like one of the biggest growing sports in the last couple of years. Uh, I just thought, you know, anyone can play it from, you know, from young to old. And uh, like I said, I've, I've been twice and I love it already. I'm dying to get back <laughs> you're gonna turn pro there you're gonna you're gonna be a pro player i mean you never know i think the i, I gotta find something to do with my time so i think uh the, the the pro is definitely in the future maybe if i can keep my body healthy <laughs> it's like the active way of golf you know what yeah I mean? yeah for sure yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I didn't think it would be so fun at all like i said but it's definitely fun uh just when i when i start playing it and now just looking at it from afar and watching videos on it now i learn more about the rules and all that kind of stuff now now i want to get back out there you know and see what i See what I learned. And from an investment perspective on that, is the league launching, you know, domestically soon? It's already launched domestically. It's actually in Texas. They got, uh, I think it's like eight or nine teams so far. So they're trying to grow and find sponsors and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's, uh, like I said, I think it's a good investment and uh, hopefully it will be anything soon. Probably, you know, a future down the line and be something big, hopefully. Great. One other area that we know you're very passionate about is philanthropy. So can you tell us about the foundation that you have and how that got started? Yeah, so me and my, me and my brother, we were younger as kids. My parents are, I think, I feel like the bigger philanthropists in this you know, whole conversation. They're the ones that got me started. Uh, they always took me and my brother to, to nursing homes and churches and we'd go feed the homeless and stuff like that. So that's kind of how the philanthropy came apart. I just want to see people be successful. And uh, me coming from the inner city, just not having a lot of resources, I feel like I just want, always want to give back to those kids who kind of grew up like me and, and look like me to give them uh, resources and give them a uh, you know kind of a joy and a feel that they can be successful. And why not do that through a foundation? That's kind of how it started, and uh, it just took off. You know, ever since I got to the NBA, this would be our twentieth season, our twentieth year. We're doing a free basketball camp, so we do a free basketball camp. We do a out of school program. We do each uh, second and fourth Saturday. And we also do a Black History essay contest. We do doing the Black History Month. So it's uh, three or four programs we do each year. And uh, like I said, just trying to give back to our community here in Las Vegas. Oh, that's amazing. So you've had it for over 20 years. Uh, so actually, my mom started when she, my mom used to work for the city of Las Vegas. That was her job, which was putting on like programs for, for kids in the inner city and uh, handicapped kids. So, but ever since I got in the NBA since 2009, and we, we've been having it, but my mom has been having it for ever since I was in middle school. I've been working the camp. So <laughs> I feel like it's a, a part of my lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. You know, when I, when I spent time at the league, uh, yeah, I was always it was always an eye-opening experience to see what yeah. 
big platform. It could be for mm-hmm. charity, for you know philanthropy, and 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 so it's amazing to see individuals like yourself who are you know really putting that on the forefront of things. And we uh, know, do you think that by being in the NBA, like how much did it help the foundation to really amplify the message it was trying to deliver? Yeah, I think so. You know, obviously, you know, being in the NBA is uh, one of the biggest businesses in the world. I feel like. Um, what platform they have. So you know, obviously being in the NBA is going to help you tap into different resources and help you meet different people. So I'm um, always, uh, even working with the MBPA, uh, with my foundation, they do a great job of supporting us and giving us, you know, in-kind donations and stuff like that. So it's always great to, you know, to work with people like that and companies like that. Yeah, no, the, the MBPA certainly is helpful. I mean, how much guidance have they provided you along the way, you know, through your career and then now like that you're retired? Uh, definitely a lot. Even uh, throughout my career, uh, my parents would go. My parents run the foundation with the board of people, so they would always go to seminars in the NBA PA, and then they definitely get feedback on how we can make the foundation better and how how we can grow it. You know, and uh, just anything we can do to, to listen to them and get feedback from them, I think that's a big thing. And then with the foundation, now that you have a little more time, now that you're no longer playing, do you want to continue to explore growing that? And in what way do you think you could grow that in the next five, ten years? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just getting more sponsors, I think, and more donors. I, and just, like I said, just getting the word out about our programs that we do have. We have like maybe 20 or 30 kids uh, in the out-of-school program. And then um, in the essay contest, we have six winners. But those six winners, uh, every year it changes, so it fluctuates. So I think just getting the, the word out more to a bigger scale will be uh, you know, the, the biggest thing in the next five or 10 years, I feel like. Is there a plan to expand that, you know, sort of beyond just the region, beyond Vegas or? I think for now, I think we're just stick with Vegas. I know expanding is a is a big or big ordeal, and I think uh, you know with the people that we have, you know, working with the foundation and volunteering, I think we have uh, enough just to you know tap into the Las Vegas market because Las Vegas is growing. You know, every month by month with new teams coming, all new people coming, uh, the city is just growing so much. I think if we can just really tap into Vegas, I think that's kind of going to be our you know our little niche. Well, fantastic. So shifting gears a little bit, besides investment and philanthropy. I know you have a third passion and I see it on LinkedIn quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's children's books, right? Yeah. You write these amazing children's books and I know they're on Amazon and everywhere. And, and you know, our listeners should definitely go and pick up a few if you have kids. I certainly do. Tell us about that. Like, how did you, how did you get into that? I mean, that's certainly uh, a little bit different than uh, yeah. anything that we've had so far. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's, it's something that I never thought about being a children's author. Uh, I was just sitting on the couch one day retired and I said, how can I continue to tell my story, but also inspire kids? And that's kind of how the idea came about. And I reached out to one of my former old coaches and he was an author. So I had asked him like, you know, what to do and what route should I go? Uh, is it attainable? Do you think I can do it? And you know, he said, yeah, you can do whatever you want to. And so I said, why not? So I tried it, you know, and once I started doing something, I want to finish it and see it through. And that's how the first book came about. It took about maybe six months, I think. Then after that, uh, I said I have more stories to tell. So I did the second one and the third one within like maybe like a year. And I just recently released my fourth one like probably like uh, four or five weeks ago. So definitely excited about it. I just love telling stories and, uh, you know, inspiring young kids. And I think that's uh, the best thing I can do, you know, to reach out to, to the next generation and give them inspiration. Do you draw your own paintings? No, 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 no. I definitely can't <laughs> draw. I'm just the, the storyteller and, the you know, the, the book writer. But I uh, definitely had a... A great illustrator. I found him on Instagram. To, so shout out to Cam Wilson. Uh, he's done a great job with every one of the, the books. Uh, he's definitely seen it, seen the vision through. And uh, like I said, uh, ever since he sent me back the first draft, I was like, yeah, you're hooked. I'll, I'll sign you up. <laughs> do you have children? Or do, you, do you read the books to them? Or? 
Yeah, I have three kids. So my oldest one is in high school, so that's kind of probably out of her realm. But she she reads it to my youngest ones. And when I first uh, wrote the first one, I, I went to them first and tried to get their validation that they liked it. So I felt like, you know, kids are very honest. So if they don't like something, they'll tell you. So they like the book and they read it for like a week straight. So I was like, hey, I might be onto something right here. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fantastic. And then uh, so how, uh, how long has it been since you've written the first one? Uh, the first one was in uh, November of 2019. Okay. So it's yeah. it's been a few years, and yeah, I bet yeah. it was quite the journey. I mean, did you have any pitfalls along the way? You know, in the publication world, seeing how that's a whole different world than what uh, you've been in. Yeah, just trying to learn the author world and the book world. I feel like you know, like I said, it's a whole new world. So I was definitely trying to be a student and trying to learn from other people, other authors. And uh, like I said, I think the pitfalls are just you hear about writer's block all the time, and it's really a, a, a real thing. So you know, kind of get stuck on certain ideas uh, at first. We didn't. First, I wanted to make like a, a chapter book, but as I went along, I thought the stories were kind of childish and, and it'd be good to relate to, to smaller kids. So I went to the children's book theme. So I just tried to stay there. And I think I kind of not perfected it, but just kind of find my lane and uh, be able to tap into different people. And what's been the feedback, whether it's you know online or your teammates or on the books? People love the books. Like I said, I, I hopefully they're being honest and genuine with me. <laughs> uh, but I've gotten a lot of responses on Amazon. Like I said, a lot of lot, lot of reviews. And uh, like I said, the biggest thing is when I go to to the kids uh, and read books to the kids' schools, uh, they they smile and they want to read the next one and the next one. But I say I always tell them I only brought one book with me, so I'll read this one. So, but uh, like I said, they they enjoy the books, and I think that's the biggest thing for me. It's just kids enjoy. It. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And well, I have children of our own, and. You know, I think uh, it's it's really the one thing that allows the parents to connect, yeah. but also to teach, right? Yeah, the, yeah, for sure. On an everyday basis, right? That's uh, yeah. uh, anything that we can offer to our kids. I think. Well, that's great. I, I, we really look forward to hearing a little bit about the books in a little bit. But first, we're going to do a lightning round. Uh, Matilda, okay. do you want to take that from here? Yeah, it's actually one of my favorite parts of the podcast, especially with... <laughs> Okay. You are so versatile and there's so many dimensions to you. So I think the fire round would be great for our listeners to sort of get an other slice and cut of you. I'm going to say a statement or ask a question and why don't you just immediately give me what is top of mind for you. Okay. Ready? I got it. Top two mentors. Top two mentors. Uh, my grandma, Rashad Williams. Why your grandma? My grandma was a big uh, reason uh, schools desegregated and the civil rights movement. So she was uh, one of the first five or six parents that took my aunt to all white school. So they were like six black kids. So like I said, she's uh, big in my my family and in her neighborhood in Nashville. And uh, even throughout those, uh, you know, taking her child to that school and desegregating that school, she got a lot of death threats, uh, bombings to her family and all that kind of stuff. But she never wavered, you know, and just stuck, stuck with it. And thought that her child deserved the same education as any other kid, no matter race. Yeah. Amen. I hope you have those stories captured in a children's book format. That one, I hope, is the next one, maybe. <laughs> I've already seen the genre. Like, there's so many valuable lessons right yeah. there. Right? So history, value, everything. Yeah. Okay. My next one. You are an author. What, what is your favorite book? My favorite book, I mean, I would say the Bible, but also like if I have to pick like a little fantasy one, I've, I I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I don't know if you read those or not. Yes, but. I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I love all that stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> I think sometimes we're missing a bit of that imaginative layer in today's world. Yeah, right? yeah, for sure. Yeah. We can bring that to our children and keep them young. That's how you're going to get innovation. That's where you're going to get ideas. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm with you on that. What was the best piece of advice you got as you were heading towards retirement from your basketball career? I would say like your network is your net worth. The people you know, the people you hang around, you know, daily, weekly, monthly uh, is uh, is the way you're going to benefit in life and the way you're going to, you know, succeed in life. Yeah, so true. So true. I'm going to go off script and ask you, who are the three people that you interact the most with on a daily basis? Uh, I was starting my kids and my family and uh, my wife uh, I don't know <laughs> uh, I would say my I would say like a former teammate I talked to him like maybe maybe weekly or monthly Baron Davis one of my daughter's coaches uh he's pretty he's an investor also so we talk about investment stuff like that and then uh, I would just say my family really so that's yeah. kind of the three three people yeah it's good because those are the most valuable things in your life yeah yeah most <laughs> yeah <laughs> last one here where do you go for inspiration where I go for inspiration in the shower. Do you sing as well? I sing, I meditate, I think about ideas in the shower. And I have a steam shower too, so I'm in there for like 30 minutes. So I'll get a little sauna and a little shower at the same time. So I do a lot of, like I said, a lot of thinking, praying, everything at once. <laughs> oh my goodness. I feel like you need to have like a whiteboard in there too. I know, right? <laughs> no, it's while you're, while you're thinking. All right. <laughs> amazing, amazing. I knew it. I love fire rounds. You always find this other side of people and get to know you better and sometimes yeah. plan on someone where they're like i'm inspired by the shower moment or something right <laughs> thank you for that you're so special in so many ways and we love that you are a author of children's books and we want to be able to hear some of it and so yeah. we thought it'd be great if you could read a passage from a book of your choice yeah for sure and share it with our listeners yeah so i'll do the first book since it's like i tell kids all the time it's my favorite because it's my my first baby or whatever so it's called uh, CJ's Big Dream, a story by CJ Watson, illustrated by Cameron Wilson. And when I first started, wrote the book, I had a dedication page and all my dedications I wrote myself. So it says, the book is dedicated to a little boy, a little girl reading this book. May you find inspiration in this story to achieve your goals. Cue in the Rocky theme song music. <laughs> the sun beams in through the blinds as CJ awakens. Today is the big day, he says, as he climbs out of his bed. He glances over at his trophies that sit on his dresser and basketball posters on the wall and boasts, today I will get closer to my dreams. And these are my favorite players, Jordan, Magic, and Kobe. And uh, this is like a picture of my room when I was kind of in elementary school. I had a lot of trophies on my dresser and stuff like that. So all the everything in the book is a true story also. All my books are true stories. After brushing his teeth, CJ gets dressed for school, prepared for his day. He takes one last look in the mirror before grabbing his lucky socks off the floor. These will help me win today's big game for sure. His socks are worn and dingy with discoloration from being worn so many times. That does not matter to CJ, however, because each time he wears these socks, he wins the big game. These lucky socks are actually lucky socks that I actually wore. If I had a good game, I never washed them. I would just keep them, and uh, that's why they're discolored and dingy and, and stinky and stuff like that. <laughs> Ready for the game? CJ mother asked. CJ beams with joy at his mama as she sits his breakfast down on the table in front of him. Smell of mama's blueberry pancakes, bacon and eggs makes CJ very excited. Ew, you have on these stinky socks, his younger brother whines. These are my lucky socks and they'll help me win today's big game, CJ replies before taking a bite of his pancakes. And I had a younger brother also and uh, he always looked up to me, but we always, always fought a lot. So, you know, like I said, there's uh, precious like memories you look back at over time that at the time, you don't really, you know, think they're special, but as you get older, they're very special. So those are the first three pages, and 
if you like it, you know, go and get the book and purchase it and tell me what you think. <laughs> ah, I might just have to do that. I think my son's <laughs> going to be very inspired by the sticky socks, uh, lucky socks. He's yeah, yeah. Stuff. He's a baseball player. And yeah. um, I'm wondering if it should be stinky socks, but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Most moms don't like the stinky part, but, you know, I think as boys, you know, you kind of get used to it and you just keep playing. <laughs> well, it has that sentimental value. It's got, it, you know, it represents something for you. Yeah. These books, I mean, I, I love that they're personal stories. I'm sure they're like like a little treasure of like for your family, right? Yeah, yeah. it's just something like for me, like I said, just to give back to my kids and just like say and to other kids just to show that there is inspiration and also kids that, like I said, grew up in the inner city like I did who probably would never think they would make it out. But, you know, there's definitely hope. There's definitely people who have made it out to be successful. And then I always tell kids, you don't have to be an athlete. You can be whatever you want, you know, teacher, lawyer, you know intercapitalist person or whatever the case may be so like just just uh just go for it yeah it's amazing what i mean this first book is certainly autobiographical in nature i mean but i can totally see <laughs> cj the kid going yeah. <laughs> the different adventures right yeah yeah, yeah. space i think will be uh, yeah yeah i actually went to space camp when i was younger me and my, my parents sent me and my brother to space camp in uh, california so it's definitely that could be a, another story so I, like i said i got plenty of stories <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. So one one last question before I let you go, just on the on the uh, basketball side, I saw you know you said the photos on the wall and you had Kobe up there. What was it like? You know, I think we've seen this happen a lot. You see these photos where there's a young kid with a player, and then eventually they actually get to play with them, right? So yeah, yeah. what was it like having seeing Kobe on the wall and then watching him on TV and then eventually being in the league and playing against them and talking to him? Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like I say, it's kind of surreal because like guys and coach, other coaches in high school would kind of compare me to Kobe. And like when I heard it, I was like, I'm nowhere close to Kobe. But, you know, just getting that recognition and then getting a chance to play against people like him. And like I said, Baron Davis was one of my favorite players, getting to watch him in, in college and play against him in the, or watch him play in the NBA and then get to actually be his teammate. And like I said, to today, be able to call him on the phone and go see him and our kids hang out and our families talk and stuff like that. So it's like uh, kind of surreal just to see that know things like that can really happen in life that's the topic for another book right yeah (laughs) (laughs) keep going they just keep on flowing (laughs) thanks so much and by the way that fire round was really good we love those answers thank you so much for uh being on the podcast with us and uh look forward to uh you know reading more of your books and hopefully we can talk to you soon yeah thank you appreciate it i'm honored to you know be in your podcast thank you a lot Thanks for listening to Ludus Capital's Frontier X podcast. For more information on the episode, the podcast, or Ludus Capital, please visit us on our website at www.ludus.capital. Be sure to subscribe to our show and follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Insta, to stay up to date on all things sports tech and venture capital related. And as always, thank you for tuning in.